Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and yesterday I had pumpkin spice Wensleydale cheese, and it was weird, but also kind of good. This chat is with Ryan Kriego, best known for his recent creation of the Netflix 2D animated feature film Arlo the Alligator Boy. Previously, Ryan was a longtime story artist for DreamWorks, working on Puss in Boots, Shrek the Halls, and Kung Fu Panda 2, among other projects. And currently, he's a director, producer, and describes himself as a California dude all the way who just never left. Now, in our chat, Ryan is going to share how he went from dreaming to make an animated film to actually making one, that's Arlo the Alligator Boy, and everything he did in between to make that happen. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Ryan. What's up? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, not much. Just chatting with a really cool guy who made a show that we're going to talk about. What's up with you? <laughs> chilling, man. Chilling. Yeah. I'm, done with, chilling. I'm done with Arlo for now and just like, you know. Listen, you have a baby coming on the way and you're just chilling. Like, yeah. My wife's <laughs> told, doing all that. You told me before I hit record that you could slam the laptop down at any moment to be like, yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> yes, and she might just burst through that door. I yeah, love it. I love that. It's two days from now. So like. Wow. It could happen any minute, but oh, it's also, it. but also she's not feeling like it's going to happen. She's, this is our second. So that she's got like a, I'm, I'm going with her gut on this where she's her, like, her yeah, it's not, she's like, <laughs> it's not ready yet. Yeah. She's like, I just know like, I guess I'm sure you start to feel things change. She hasn't felt things change. It's been pretty static. So okay, well, we're all good and healthy. We're just waiting. I'm super glad you decided to come on this podcast while you're waiting for your second, yeah. movie, which is really cool. Thank you. Yeah, um, so let's just let's just dive into it. Tell me all about Arlo and like, you know, give me give me the for people who haven't seen it or know, no, don't know about it. Like, give me the short pitch that you would have given to sell this thing to the networks and Netflix or whatever. Yeah. OK. Um, I pitched it a, a couple times. And was lucky enough that it ended up with Netflix and got so to you, make. You've been you've been working on this for ten years, years before. Ten years, yeah. Like like I, I'm what? trying. To, it's always I always kind of put it like in in terms of like because when I went, met my wife, I had I don't I think I don't know if I I think I had pitched it, but it had gotten rejected or something. Like so, it's like but around the time and then we're like we've known each other for a little over ten years, so it's been a, probably a little over ten years. It's kind of like so you, what you is make those like ages in your life. You're like yeah, it was around that. Um, but it was the very first version. So I was working at DreamWorks um, Animation and Features as a board artist and um, had this idea to make a movie about a kid that was half alligator. And I thought that would be fun. And um, and so I started building the pitch back then, but I didn't know how to do that. Like, you know, I was not that I was young, but like selling. And I've, I've checked out your podcast a little bit. And like, I know you talked with people about like pitching and all that stuff. And like, when are you ready? Um, or listen to the Fred Fred Saber. Yeah, it was uh, my first episode. episode. I was like, oh, I got to listen to Fred. I love that guy. Um, I got I got the chance to work with him a little bit, and I think he's really smart. Um, and and so good to have sage wisdom on your show. But but yeah, like so I I got into the um, you know throws of it and like all these ideas and trying to put them together. And I still went back. Like I went back to the original pitch when I went into to revamp it a few years ago, um, and it's it's not all bad. It just wasn't organized, <laughs> you know? So what, so like, what? Okay. So, um, well, first there, of all, so. can you just give me the short pitch for yeah. Arlo other than a half boy, half alligator? Yeah, it's it. It's a, it's that's a it. Uh, so the version I pitched is not the version that was made, but I'll give you the version that was made. And then I'll tell you the version I was pitched. So, um, it's a, a boy who's a half alligator who grows up in the swamp and, uh, learns that he's got a dad 
um, that he's never met out in New York City and goes on a journey to find him. And along the way, he meets a cast of um, strange and fun and beautiful uh, characters that are that he connects with. Um, Yeah, that's kind of what it was. But like the the original version um, had him actually going to Coney Island and he was uh, still looking for his family, but in a different, it was a little different. It was like, there was the evidence of the, of the mom, which never made it into the movie. And a lot of it centered around this Coney Island um, setting where um, there was like a little bit of, of the show, circus sideshow, showmanship, kind of like history around all, all of that, which was really cool, but it got very complicated and convoluted. And like, I've um, written some movies like lightly, but like, you always have more ideas than you can fit into a 90 minute yeah. movie. And ultimately I think this was eight, 80 something minutes. So like you, you just start to realize like, man, we really got, <laughs> you got to trim it down. Like even then, like I still think the movie, like I would, I, if I was to make this movie from scratch today, I would probably take some stuff out of it just mm-hmm. so I could fill out some other pieces, like flesh it out more in certain areas. But you so, know, so, so like, okay. So Netflix was like, yeah, we want to make this. What, why did they pick your, what was the selling point for them to say we want Arlo versus like, I don't know, birdie, the half bird girl yeah. on a journey to find her mom that somebody else picked that somebody else pitched. Like, why did they say yes? Cause well, people are bombarding Netflix like every single day with pitches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it, I think it comes down to, um, you know, uh, to go back to your Fred uh, podcast, which is fresh in my mind, the execution, yeah. uh, follow up this one with that one and, and you'll, you'll get like a two for one. Uh, execution, I think, is is what what really sells in a lot of ways. And I was just coming off of um, being the EP for and showrunner for Home Adventures with Tip and o, which is a DreamWorks series at Netflix. And that was, um, really successful for them. And so I think I already had, you know, some momentum behind me in terms of just mm. like them wanting to work on something with me. Um, okay. I really but was, you had some active. internal clout with their team already. Yeah. And then you had this refined pitch yeah. and working on casually for like 10 years. Yeah. And I was also really passionate about it. And I think, you know, I could feel like from the beginning, when I put up the character Arlo on screen, um, which was like the first image of the pitch, um, I could feel the energy in the room, like people going, oh, like he's cute. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. And so, um, so I think from that point on the the pitch felt like a, you know, like a, had just a nice momentum to it and a feeling that like, oh, we're going to like, we're, I have a captive audience. These people want to make something with me. They want to make, you know, this is like already, seems like a good idea for them. So, um, so I think that was, I kind of felt it in the room that like this was going to go well. Also, I noticed that like when I pitched them and I had pitched it elsewhere um, just like a week or two before, and I pitched it as a movie with a series to follow. And, um, you know, people were like, "Eh, let's just talk about the movie or let's just talk about the series for a minute. That's a lot to buy into. And of course, Netflix was like, we love that. Because ultimately, like right, right now, everyone's selling their stuff to Netflix. So, like, if you if you pitch to like, I don't know, I mean, like maybe you know, Cartoon Network's now working with the HBO Max thing, so they kind of have a direct line. They might be able to take more chances. Um, but I think a lot of studios are selling their wares, right? So they're like Nickelodeon, for example. They're 
they're not really distributing wholly on their cable network anymore. They're like selling stuff to Netflix and selling stuff to these people in Paramount and whatever. So they've got to, um, they've got to turn around and, and market it out and sell it again. Okay. If you're pitching it. And so in this case, I think Netflix was the ones that were going to make it and also pay for it, which was great That's all in one. Amazing. So they um, were like, yeah, this is great. I was like, you guys are crazy. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm just curious, like, what did your pitch entail? Like, did you have the full script written? Did you just have kind no. of like a general, like, here's how things are. Here's the characters. Like, let's develop this together. Yeah, I had, I, I think I had about, um, oh, I'd say it was maybe like a 50 or 60 page PowerPoint presentation, oh, wow. That's you know, so I had like a lot of art, a lot of images. I had, um, at that time I had a pretty like good one page analysis of, of the story, you know, not like a, not a massive, um, treatment. Ultimately, I think the treatment, you know, the movie ended up going from like a page to, you know, I tend to like try to work small and then build out. So like, I think it, we started with like, I kind of, when I sold it, so I had like a page and then. I wrote like another three page treatment and kind of got a little sign off on that. Then it was like a nine page treatment, got a little sign off on that. And then it was like a full, like, I don't know what the final number was, but maybe 32 page, you know, so it's like almost a script, right. Where you're adding dialogue into the treatment and starting to like really flesh out all of these pieces. So I did all of that stuff on my own. And then I brought a writer in um, when I really got into the scripting um, part of it, dialogue and all of that stuff. Because uh, I thought like, in this case, it was like, you know, like you mentioned, um, having refined something for 10 years, I felt like I wasn't ready to just like, say like, I've got one page and that's it. Because I had so many ideas still. And to like, get all those ideas out with someone else right away felt like, let me get it all on paper and then we'll have something we can talk about and then we can break it apart and, you know. Nice that's when we start like going, yeah, Coney Island's a whole piece that like thematically might not fit and it could be difficult to like do this and this and what's the important thing and what's the theme. And, you know, so you start to pare it down and, you know. Is this, and so, so I'm, I'm like, I'm super curious about this process. Cause like, I'm, I'm like developing a pitch right now myself. Um, and I've also like signed something, which is really cool too. But like for you, like how did rights work? If you want to share that stuff, like the option agreement, like distribution, like your role directing or producing or a creator, like h- how did you treat all of that stuff? Yeah. Um, like, I have this thing that I super love. Yeah, I, I, have a, I have a lawyer. I have a lawyer that I work with um, who I who I love. Uh, she's she may or may not even be retired. <laughs> she's, <laughs> well, pretty, she's still working she's for around. you. She's not retired. She's been around, man. Um, and I, that's why one of the reasons I love her is like she's not like she's I mean, I hear stories of like, oh, she was like the, the cutthroat crazy. Like you didn't want to mess with, with her. Um but she's, she's been in the business. She like, uh, Steve Hillenberg and, and some of the, some of those dudes, a lot of TV people. So I'm, I'm like, I basically let those things go through someone else. So I don't have to like, obviously you're on the end of it, like agreeing to, to something at some point, but like, I always kind of, cause then they have a, a sense of like what you can and can't ask for what should and shouldn't be said. So, right. I mean, I always go into these things, like when I'm pitching as like, it's mine until I, until I have, we, we really sign the paper that says like, okay, now someone else is going to have control of this and you give up a lot. I mean, you know, with Arlo, for example, I mean, I got to, I, I didn't know that I would be, I think they just called it like an 
like a creator or something or like an EP, but they didn't like define that I was going to be directing the movie at that time. We didn't define that I was going to be writing the movie at that time. It was very loose, um, but also Netflix was just getting the animation studio off the ground. So mm. it kind of became like when I got there, I was like, I didn't really know what we were going to do. I didn't know what the process was going to be and how we were going to make it, which was actually really cool because it gave us just like, you know, I sat down with Phil Rinda. Um, I don't know if you know who Phil is, but he's Phil's, he was in one of the original character designers on Adventure Time. Um, he's an artist who's kind of turned into an executive over the years and is very passionate about animation and storytelling and very, um, you know, he's charismatic and he's diplomatic and he was a great like conduit between the business end and, and the artists. So we kind of sat down and just started talking about like, oh, what's the way to do this? Cause we don't know, you know, he was, yeah. he's like the creative director essentially for the Netflix animation studio. So was there, was there something that you really felt was important for you to retain? Like, did you want to be director or creator or like, yeah, I think, I think at that point I was like, well, I had already written so much of the treatment that it felt like I had to at least co-write it um, rather than just hand it to somebody. Cause that, I mean, I had already written so much that it would have been a writing credit essentially anyways, but like then, you know, rather than just hand it off. Um, and then on the directing end, I think um, it just made sense for me to like, once we decided it was, you know, the movie was happening because we didn't even know if like there was all like when they, picked it up it was like okay now we're here now what do we do with it how what is is doing the movie first or series first like we could you know it was like still kind of a discussion it was all very like malleable at that point um and so yeah i think you know given the the way that we were going to do it because the plan was to make a series um that felt as much like the movie as possible so that we weren't like deviating where it was like, here's this beautiful CG movie. And now here's the like half version that, you know, you're like, like why? Slideshow TV show. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it happens all the time. And totally, um, totally. so rather than do that, it was like, how do we make something that feels like feature esque in quality? And the series is elevated by that as opposed to the series is like a half you know, quality yeah. version of that there are a few little changes in the series in terms of like some of the flashy things that we did to, to try to keep it um, manageable in the time frame, but we didn't like completely redesign it or anything. Nice. Um, I love that you were able to do that. Um, so tell me how it feels, you know, uh, being in the industry for so long, working for DreamWorks, et cetera, storyboarding, having this <clears throat> kind of idea dream in the back of your mind that you've worked on for like 10 years. And then finally, you know, Netflix says, yes, let's do this. And we'll do the series and the, and the movie. And then you get to direct it and create it and it's out. And, yeah. and like your old film teacher, like messages you on Facebook, like, how does it, <laughs> yeah. how does it, tell me what it feels like? Like, what is that? Of- what are you feeling in the moment when, when it gets greenlit? Like, um, pretty emotional for this one because I put so much of my heart into it for so long, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the, the hope was one day that I would get to direct a movie. I didn't know. And, you know, my hope is still that I'll direct another movie. We'll see where, where the path takes me, but, um, but to end up not only like directing a movie, but like, I kind of, in some ways, I wish I knew what this was before. Cause I think like when you go into like a lot of jobs, it's like, okay, you're coming on, we've got a script and here's the, you know, you're taking this job. You're going to be the director of this movie that we've already developed. And here you go, kid or whatever. Like you can see it. Like when I came into um, 
Nickelodeon to, to supervise and direct the Sanjay and Craig show. It was like, the show was developed. We were going. I was like, oh, I'm going to come in and do, I'm going to take my part and like do the best I can in this yeah. thing. But with this, it was like so crazily like, you know, open that I just was like trying to do, you know, you're producing at the same time you're directing at the same time you're writing and then ultimately end up writing songs and like doing all these things, which is fantastic. And I wouldn't change that process, but you do like, if I had that kind of clarity early on, like, I think I would have done, you know, you're like, Oh, let's I'd give me another shot. Now that I know what, what it's like to do all this stuff. Cause I didn't, you know, a lot of stuff I was doing for the first time, yeah, making a musical for the first time and, and writing a movie that, um, didn't have any kind of background. Like I've written, I had written movies that were based on books. So there was already some established um, context and characters and things. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, it was also very cool. I don't think, I, I think I wouldn't change it, but, but, you know, you do think that like, wow, I've got a whole new perspective. Um, well, I'm just yeah. wondering like, what is, what have you considered success from this whole process for you like one of the things you mentioned was you wanted to become a director so now you've directed yeah. a, your movie like was that is that like the, the yeah yeah you know? i thought that was i mean i i sit there um a lot of times and and like am very very happy i think um the response particularly with i heart arlo coming out the series and from the movie to the series and seeing the growth of of the fandom um that is so great for me because i feel like um, first there's success in just making something right. Yeah. I mean, that makes me like getting it sold was a huge win for me. Totally emotional, like so happy being able to actually make it and bring on like really talented artists and, and work with those people and have a positive experience was another big win and finish it. And then getting it out into the world and seeing how people react to it is sort of the, yeah. the, the last there, thing. Is there and, something you were like infusing in? Cause you've worked on a whole bunch of other stuff for many years. Yeah. And, and like, were you trying to do something with Arlo that you haven't seen done before or something that like you were like, this is a really important value to me to put into um, know, kids media. I tried I to just be honest to myself. I think, I think in a lot of ways, like you use, I used a lot of those experiences, but I didn't, I didn't try too hard to be one thing or another. And I didn't necessarily think, and I'm just being hundred percent honest here. Like, you know, you always hope that something crazy is going to happen. It's going to change the world or whatever. Like, whoa, this thing's a phenomenon. We've never, now everyone's wearing Arlo t-shirts. That would be so great. <laughs> but, but I didn't really, honestly, in the back of my mind, like I didn't, and I don't want to, um, you know, speak down to any, anyone watching, but like 2D animation, that's not Disney, that's musical. Like there's a lot to buy into there that like, I, I kind of feel like, hardcore animation fans <laughs> and like you know and people who really are going to get past that stuff and get into the storytelling like we're going to appreciate it and I think thematically there were I knew that like we were in a really good place with the people that were lending their voices to the show both on in the cast and also on the crew that we were saying something that was pretty like um you know uh that had a had had like some reality and some context and some like emotional um, you know, uh, relevance. Like what is something that, specific that you can think of? Well, just the, just the notion of the characters of all these characters being different, you know, and like having, having feeling like they're outsiders, these outcasts and kind of like coming from, um, all walks of life. And it's not about anyone specific, you know, that's not like, like I've, I've, you know, it's interesting to watch because I think a lot of people can take, take and go, Oh, this is actually, this relates to me. 
I've seen it from, you know, people, uh, you know, just all, all different, like LGBTQ plus like blogs who are like, this is, this is definitely our story. And yeah. it's like, cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that. Cause I mean, look, Mary Lambert and Jonathan Vaness and, and Vincent Rodriguez are all bringing their voices to this. And yes, it's absolutely their story. And, you know, Michael J. Woodard is also bringing his voice and it's his story too. So, you know, you, it's, it feels cool to see that people are going like, this is absolutely my story and it's happening in multiple areas. So I think like we had that inkling when we were making it, because I think a lot of the crew felt that way. And I think when we were pitching storyboards and stuff and like people were getting emotional during the pitches and stuff, it was like, this is really neat. Um, so That's I think really there's special, a sophistication. Even during the storyboards, people were getting emotional. Like, you know, you yeah, have something. I remember the first time, the first time Mary Lambert came to the studio um, and she lives on the East coast. She lives like outside of Boston. And so she, we had her come in and I wanted to give her like a full um, week. We did a week of music and meeting with Michael um, Woodard and, and recording together, but also give her the, on the first day, like just give her a full overview of the movie. And so I brought her in and, um, we had uh, one of our board artists, Jelly Russell, pitch her sequence, which was, if you've seen the movie, it's um, when Arlo and Bertie are on the beach um, and they're- uh, Their toes in the sand? Yeah, exactly. And Mary was just bawling and people in the room, like everyone's standing around the room like crying. Jelly's like <laughs> trying to pitch through it. And this whole thing, I'm, I'm like getting all teary eyed. And it was like really neat. And Mary was just like, you guys, like this is my story. And I think because a lot of like, when I found Mary for this project, I felt like she was Birdie and then also Birdie became her. And so, and I felt the same way with Jonathan and Felicia, like Felicia would have been totally different if Jonathan wasn't playing Felicia, the, the lines would have all been different. And Michael the same way. We found Michael luckily um, before, like in the writing process, um, I was able to write for Michael um, early on. Cause I, I was like, this is, this is the guy. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like, um, you know, being the creator director, uh, you were also like finding people or allowing them to take like over their parts in the story rather than, you know, being like, this is how I want it to be, has yeah. to be like this. Like, is that, yeah. is that ringing true to how yeah. things went? Like you kind of yeah, like. Yeah, totally. I collaborate. People. I'm, a, I'm a hardcore collaborator. Yeah. And I, and I maybe it, I, it, and I wonder, I don't know. Um, if I collaborate to a fault or not, because I don't, I don't ever feel it because I always get like, I get so much joy out of, of working with people. You collaborate to the ideas. point where you're not even involved in the project anymore. Like, <laughs> there are times when I feel like, did I make any decisions today? <laughs> I think I just said, that's cool. Um, and so, and that's okay. Like, that's how I set up the, the, the pieces. I think setting up the pieces, you know, finding the right people for your crew, finding the right people for the cast. Like if you do that right, then you should feel like you're not having to, you know, make every decision because why, why have like super talented board artists that are thoughtful and know what they're doing and yeah. then tell them exactly how you want something. I've been on the other end of that where right. I've been on that, like, so specific you want, uh, it's, it's this word, not that word. It's this shot, not that shot. It's this camera move. Okay. And so that can be, you know, some of the directors I've worked with have taught me a lot that way but it can also feel very, um, you know, like you're just, you just start to feel like, what am I, what am I contributing other than, you know, drawing stuff that like anyone could, you know what I mean? Like at that point, like just do pre-biz, yeah. just get a, you know, build the sets and just put your camera in there and, and start to, 
do it. And, I, and some directors do that. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned a couple of times that, um, you know, if you were to redo things now, so say, you know, like take yourself back 10 years when you uh, just met your wife and you were just creating Arlo from the start and your storyboarding, like there's so many people who are listening to this and also just in the industry who are, you know, storyboarding or animating and they want to be in a position like yours. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you do to speed up that process? Or like, I, I'm wondering, what did you, what was I, the mentality that got you here in the first place? Are you constantly I, like everything? I would not speed up the process. You would not. That's what I'll say. Not I, will speed not up the process. Speed, I, I would not speed up the process. I feel like um, I'm happy with my, uh, with my growth and, yeah. and my, where I'm at, I want to keep growing. So, you know, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm now that I've, you know, back to your early, earlier point, like, okay, you've directed a movie. Right. And that was kind of like the goal. So now what? And like, I'm struggling with that a little bit um, yeah. personally and, and just, and trying to find like, where do I grow? Because that's where like, I've always put myself in a place to learn, keep learning and keep learning. And so um, not, and I know I can learn more from just doing another movie and I, and I probably will do another movie, but um, what's the right way to do that? What's the right approach? Like, do I do what I just did? Do I, you know, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm working on some things, but like, do I just develop another project, take it to Netflix, pitch it. Here's another movie. Yeah. Go make that movie. Like what will I learn from that process? Right. Or do I get in into something that's like, I feel like I'm over my head, um, which I'm trying to. <laughs> so you <laughs> want to be in a state of, I want, I'm over, I'm in over my head because you recognize that you learn and grow from those experiences. Yeah. Totally. So how did you get in this? So would you say that mindset led you here in the first place? Like you were always challenging your current role to be more challenging until yeah. you- yeah, I think so. I mean, that's why, like, when I was uh, boarding at DreamWorks back in the day um, and working on stuff that I really liked and I felt like I was being heard and I was valuable. So I didn't it, I didn't leave because of that, but I left because I felt like I needed to change my my point of view and, like, in the, in so the industry. Tell me about, like, so tell me different. about you leaving. So you have, like, a steady job. You're doing yeah. well. You're, you know, upping your game. People are enjoying your work, but you're, yeah. like you're feeling unsatisfied. And so how do you just leave? Like, did you have something planned? Um, did you have another opportunity? Yeah, actually, yeah, up? it was, it was um, Thurup Van Orman, for those of you who know who Thurup is, who created Flapjack and um, supervising producer on Adventure Time early on. And um, he was a really like uh, electric TV presence and um, he's doing features now and he wanted to do features and he was, we ended up having offices next to each other. And so we had kind of gotten on a movie that was uh, struggling. It had, it had, a, uh, had to go through some growing pains early on. And I think they crewed up too fast. And so the, it was just a funky time on a project that ultimately, I won't say which one, but ultimately ended up being like massively successful after they kind of turned it all over. Um, so we were on this thing going like, man, this, this is feeling like maybe not the best <laughs> project to be on right now. Um, what's going to happen here? And then he got this um, Nickelodeon called him up and said, Hey, we're making the show Sanjay and Craig. Do you want to come over and help? And then he asked me, uh, he was like, so I'm going. And it was funny. Cause like he had this last day and I was like, dude, I'm going to miss you so much. All emotional. We, were, we became close buddies and, and um, you know, liked drawing pictures of each other and just messing around. I was like Chris and Ricky, who you've had on here. Uh, they were in the same group 
Um, okay. So we had like okay. a lot of really cool, talented people. I love that you like you've perused my library of podcasts, oh, yeah. so you can just casually mention that. Creeping on you. <laughs> we got you know do your research, man. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we he he basically was like, "Yo, do you want to come supervising direct this show?" Yeah. Um, and it was sort of outside of my realm because I hadn't done TV at all. I had just done I had you know done DreamWorks at that point. And okay. so, so, you, you know, so you're I mean, like, I did a TV special or two, but like, you know, you're like working at your job, feeling good, but you want to challenge and this opportunity comes up yeah. and you're like, you know what, I'm, it, I feel, I'm feeling good. Like, I feel like I'm in my role. I figured it out. I'm ready yeah. for a risk. Yeah. I needed I to like, learn. I was, it wasn't, I wasn't fully plateaued, but like you start to feel at a certain point, like you're not learning as much as fast. You know what I mean? Like you, you're yeah, like, no, I, when you start I, out, I definitely feel that. Yeah. <laughs> I switched careers like, myself at one point. So yeah. You start to go like, okay, maybe it's like, you start to get better by small degrees as opposed to like, Whoa, I just did something I've never thought I could do. Yeah, the ex- existential feeling of life yeah. kicks in and you're like, what am I? <laughs> totally. So I was like, this seems like a scary thing I'll go do. Um, I may fail at, or I might, do well. I don't know. So, um, I ended up going over to, to Nickelodeon and directing like, shoot, I don't remember exactly the number of episodes, but it was, it was a lot. We did, I did a supervising directed a, a lot of episodes in, in like a year or two. And then, um, and at that point we didn't have episodic directors. So I was basically, you know, doing all the lifting and boarding on them and stuff and fixing stories and all that. And it became like a really cool job. Um, great time uh, strange time and, and a good time and all, all wrapped up into one. And then, um, and then from there I was like, okay, this is exhausting because we just kind of had, uh, I think, I don't know. I don't want to like bag anyone, but like, I think that some, somehow Nickelodeon was looking for a little bit of a change. Sanjay and Craig felt like a change, but they didn't want to commit to it all the way. So we kind of were understaffed and under budget and all these things. And it was just like, after a while I was like, man, I'm so exhausted. And, I want to go do, you know, yeah. other things now. So, um, so yeah. So then I just got into writing. We, uh, Thorpe and I pitched some features and did that for a while. And then DreamWorks called and we did home and he went off to do features by himself with not, not because of anything other than we had so much going on and we had like, <laughs> we had been, unfortunately we had been too successful that it broke up the band. Um, Cause we, we had like too many things going and like, and this feature wanted us to work on it. And I was just getting started developing this series for DreamWorks. And I was like, I can't leave this. I felt like too passionate about the crew that we had built. And I didn't think it was the right, I, I didn't, I, I would hate to be brought onto a, a crew and then feel like everybody just, you know, the people who brought you on just went like, okay, peace. Now we're going to do yeah. something else that we want to do. And like, I just didn't feel like the right time for me, but also I hadn't worked in series as much. And so I felt like we just came to the agreement. I was like, you go do that and I'm going to do this. And then like, let's be friends and help each other out where we can. And, you know. So, okay. So, I mean, you've, you've, it sounds like you've had a really illustrious kind of career in, in like kids animation, how, you know, how, and, and you've moved around a lot. I guess my question is like, how many, how often are you presented with new opportunities like this? Cause you know, talking about it, like in a, 20 minute time span it's like oh he was asked to go direct a movie and then direct a tv show and then like why do you think you are presented with these opportunities all the time is it just you're in a hub of animation down Um, where you are or is it yeah i think that's a lot i think it's connections you know i think it's like 
it's being in being in it, but also proving yourself, you know, people want to work with people that they, that they, what, is, what does proving yourself mean? Cause like, you know, from my perspective, like going to animation school, the, the whole thing is about like skill. You have to have skill. You have to have skill. And then when I talk to people in the industry, they're like, it's all connections. Like what yeah. is, I don't how do you, think how it's do you connections. When you're in a I don't think hole? it's connections as much as, um, well, look, uh, how do you, how do you put this? Like there's, there's different kinds of skills, right? There's like your technical skills, and then there's working with people and being able to like to convince people that like everything is going to work out when things are going crazy, which they always are in animation. And so um, I'm always trying to be like a, a conduit between, you know, somebody's making some some studios is paying for this. Some executive is like trying to manage the entire, you know, the, the process for these executives and all this stuff. There's all these like steps and political you know, things that happen in, in this machine. And so um, you have to be, when you get into the management level, you have to be able to like protect your artists and like being an artist and being able to do that, but also like understanding production and understanding schedules and, and keeping things on track and like learning how to like manage people and all that stuff. Like all of that stuff is stuff that comes pretty naturally to me. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of why people, uh, have been able to trust me with, you know, continued like growth. And so, in... so when there's a new opportunity, they're like, you know what, that Ryan guy, like he, um, he, everything always goes smoothly for him, you know, gets, he gets it done. I hope so. I try <laughs> to make it that way. <laughs> in the, you in know, your mind, a, you're that's... like, there's like bombs exploding and like. <laughs> that happens to you. I mean, like, you know, it's not, and I don't think that's everything, but I do think like, you know, there are people who are genius storytellers that have no concept of how to, um, you know, be aware of, of all of the consequences of their decisions and like what happens when you put too much pressure on artists and what happens when you put too much pressure on a studio that you're working with, or like, you know, we're always shipping stuff out to whatever. It could be a Canadian studio. It could be in India or whatever. Like I, you hear stories about people who are just making crazy decisions too late in the game or like working their crew to like, death and people are like you know then then the crew starts to get worn out everyone's tired the show starts to suffer so i'm i'm like i feel like half of my job is to find good people and and keep them happy and and support them and like and make sure that they feel like they have uh the expectations match what what is capable you know you ever go through an experience where everything went to mess and you were like i need to figure this out or it kind of sounds like this is just comes kind of naturally yeah no i mean i went through like so the the um you know the nickelodeon thing like i said we were kind of under under staffed under budget uh i was there until like one or two a.m at least three or four times a week you know doing grinding it out and and i like i couldn't do that now i've got i've got kids or a kid yeah meanwhile little kids are like watching this show being like this is cute and fun and they don't know there's like somebody behind the scenes working grinding till like 1 (laughs) a.m exactly and like and and i used to work late when i was a board artist because that's when i I am a night owl and i don't mind it and i don't and i'm not saying i'm not saying i didn't you know i i didn't mind it so much then because i we were making something awesome i was really happy with what we were doing but it became really truly exhausting for me and for a yeah. lot of the people that I was working with. And then, and I, and I think that um, the overall like quality of life started to started to suffer. And I think that's when you start to go like, 
if your decisions are, are, you know, creating a, a situation where people feel like the expectation is that we all have to work overtime yeah. to get it done. We just don't have the time. And, and like, that's the, that's the deal. Um, because, you know, I, I know like, look, everyone who's working in animation works <laughs> their, their asses off works overtime and does all that stuff. But, but at some point, if you're, if that's the job and you're doing it every day for two or three years, you're going to burn out and it's going to oh, yeah. be messy. And, and so ever since then, I've tried to analyze, you know, again, it goes back to like, where can I learn? Like analyze where the shortcomings are, where are the places we could have done better? How can I prepare myself? Um, so like on, on your, or for instance, like Arlo, how did you mitigate that? Like what, what is the number one thing you did to make sure that people were happy you weren't working overtime and everybody was yeah. dying? Cause um, that could happen on any production if it's mismanaged, right? Like, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think we did, you know, like one of the, one of the things that I've, I've learned, um, particularly over the last couple um, shows was like, you have to sort of limit the scope sometimes of what, um, of what you're doing and, and train the crew to like, for TV, especially not necessarily for features, but for TV, train the crew to recognize how to reuse material and reuse sets and reuse, you know, like why redraw the background of um, whatever, Arlo's bedroom, you know, why, why like draw it from a different angle if you can go into a folder, access this as a um, a layout that already exists, and pop that into your storyboard, and then and then draw on top of that, because now the layout artist doesn't need to create a new angle of the back of, of the bedroom, and you didn't have to draw that bedroom, and you just had to draw the character and work on the funny poses and the writing, and so that's a you know win for everybody, and when you start to like recognize that like you know this can be done pretty efficiently and pretty regularly through through just organization and, and management production management and all that stuff then um then i think you lighten the load on everyone because i had then I, after that nickelodeon experience i had been you know i was on home and we got into a period where um it's a board driven all these were board driven shows arlo too um and the board artists are writing and so a lot of times like we found that just the board artists would would start to go crazy over here and do this joke and do this one off and do that and we're like ah ha that's so funny, but not realizing like, oh, well, they just added, you know, some kind of crazy machine, some kind of cat, some kind of new background, a cutaway to the mom in the Bahamas, or whatever, you know, like all within, <laughs> you know, this like flashback thing or whatever it was. And then you're like, oh yeah, that's a lot of work for someone else. It's not, maybe not a lot of work for the board artist. I mean, it might be, but it might not be. Yeah. But it's definitely going to be, exactly. you know, that makes total sense. Prop and background and color and all these things that start to add up, you get behind. Um, and once you get behind, it's hard to get out of the weeds. So, um, so I've gotten better at like managing the expectation and also noticing like how to plan out the episodes where you're, you've got your difficult episode and then you've got maybe a light episode and a light episode yeah. and then a difficult, you know? like this episode happens, uh, when everybody gets turned to stone and nobody moves for the entire, for 10 minutes like that. You know, right? like, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I, you know, you watch family guy and they've got like a three minute scene where it's just like somebody talking behind a door and it's just dialogue. And you're like, the animators were loving this show. Yeah, like <laughs> they were so happy that day. They went home and had a nice dinner with their families. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it sounds like, you know, from your from having experience, you're looking for opportunities to cut down in a smart way on the amount of work that's required to get across the story, jokes, the yeah. artwork, etc. Like you're not, all you're not cutting writing. corners, but you're yeah. like looking for opportunities to maximize 
what you are making. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Like, especially like, you know, using the same bedroom twice instead of like a slightly different angle, even though it's fun to draw again, but like, you don't want to stay till one, two yeah. in the morning, redoing this whole bedroom scene for, for, for two seconds of. Yeah. You know, and if the, at, at the end of the day, that other angle is going to get you something, you should absolutely do it, you yeah. know? But I think that's where, that's where the part of, part of the like sort of training and the process of like getting into these things early with the crew and like, you know, I like to work with young artists. I like to work with people who are, who don't know as I didn't know. Cause I, we, we touched on this before the, we started rolling, but like, I didn't go to animation school, so I don't have yeah. a technical animation background. So, um, I think there's a lot of value in people's sort of intuition and, and, totally. um, raw, feel, raw talent I, and raw ideas. Yeah, I definitely feel that too. Like even just learning about the process and like what works kind of, you know, you, your brain starts to just do that formula when it's really that like deeper intuition raw feeling yeah. that has the payoff like how many tv shows come out nowadays because you know a formula has been proven successful and we want to jump on that and then it's just like this boring yeah. tv show that nobody watches because it's like they're just copying success versus yeah like, I, I think formula should only you know we use we use a lot of um and I say we like the, the people that I've worked with in the past that I, I try to keep as many of, uh, of the people that are fun to work with around as possible. But we we tend to always go back to um, structure for story, you know, for like a, a act structure in an 11 minute is a little bit different than maybe a movie, but like, but go into act structure and that kind of stuff and think about those things before we get into the um deep into the boarding process. But then once we get into that process, we don't always go back just because it makes sense into the structure again. You know what I mean? Like we don't just yeah. go like, okay, now, but you have to fold that back into this structure. It's like, we know we started with the structure, we started boarding and then this board artist took a really fun turn, a very unexpected moment. And like, maybe the episode doesn't always end. You know, there should always be, there should be an ending. There should be some satisfaction, right? Yeah. But maybe it doesn't go like, you know, two plus two plus the, like it perfectly matched up, but like where it could, it could end up being, you know, a little bit different because it's, come on, how many, how many shows are out there? <laughs> you know, like if we all worked on the same formulas, that would just be, you know, totally, totally. To well, maybe take me back to where things started for you. You mentioned, you know, you didn't have formal training, film school, like how did you get into this industry and make a huge career and become a director and all this stuff in yeah. the first place if it wasn't you know you didn't have the same the classic cal arts start you know yeah well my dad had a uh <laughs> an old projector and some black and white uh eight millimeter um animated shorts going way back here i guess <laughs> <laughs> as old as that sounds, I don't know whether he got them at a garage sale or what, but like we used to watch old, old, uh, you know, on film cartoons when we were kids. Um, like Slicer Studio stuff, like Popeye. Yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah. And so, um, and yeah, so that was always part of my growing up thinking like, this is the coolest, like, this is like special. Um, and it was always cartoons. I don't know where he, he got them and I don't think he has them anymore, but it'd be cool if he did. Um, but yeah, like I grew up heavy into like thinking this is something I want to do. And then, um, I did go to, when I got into college, I was, I went to a university and did like a film theory program, uh, mostly why because like, why didn't you do animation if you knew that's what you wanted to do? 
I got into making movies in, in high school and that uh, I was doing like video production and stuff where I thought I was going to do like action movies. Ah. And, um, and so like, you know, I thought, listen, like, this could be the new challenge for you move from animation yeah, to live yeah. action. The next Michael Bay. There you um, go. Yeah. Now I got the animation background. I can do those giant transformer movies. Exactly. Um, but that's what I thought like was, was the, the, the deal. Cause you know, I was like, what 16 17 18 going like yeah put some guns in their hands and send them into the forest we would do that we'd go down to like santa cruz and like i'd put my friends in the cold water at like 5 a.m in the morning and have them come out like they were navy seals holding guns wow they must have <laughs> really like liked you. their butts off and we'd be like yeah we got it we got it dudes like go back and edit it and like put uh you know vietnam uh uh, what's it called like chop in you know <laughs> like from other movies like i'd go into like i'd like steal uh shots from like top gun or whatever and cut it in so um yeah that's how i got into it so so i wasn't 100 into animation i mean i was like when i was a kid but then i i and i thought i would be an animator and then i got into movie making and then um when i got into school like i was in this like film theory program but there was an animation class like a history of animation that I took my first year and I was like, Oh my God, this is what I want to do. Mm. I've totally messed up. What do I do now? And then I was like, well, I'm in a cool place. I'm in a good university. I'm like studying and I've got, you know, an education that I can fall back on no matter what happens. So I'm going to do this. And um, I really applied myself on the film stuff. I really, you know, I, I loved, like there were, there were some classes that were so valuable. There was stuff like, you know, like a course on just Hitchcock where you just learn, you know, like you're just analyzing every week was a new Hitchcock movie that you were like breaking down and, and kind of discovering like how, how things were done and why they were done and all that stuff. So all that stuff is still in the back of my brain, nearly useless, but somewhere in there, I think. Um, so and then I got into, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, then I moved to LA to get into the business and I applied to every animation company I could um, just sending a letter online and saying, I love cartoons, man, or whatever. And like, your stuff is the best, uh, all of you. Um, and I got a year after I sent a resume, which was, I had worked in some TV production stuff in Santa Barbara. So it was like, not like big time stuff, just small stuff. But I basically got a call from someone at DreamWorks. They were like, Hey, we're hiring production assistants. And like, what do you, Interest, would you be interested in interviewing like do you want to run coffees for us type of thing yeah. yeah yeah and i was like and so i interviewed for like a month to get a job where i did exactly that but i lucked out because i got put in a in um a story department and that was perfect because i didn't know exactly what i was going to do there um i had a lot of uh, motion graphics background and and um some editorial i knew a lot of editorial software and after effects and things like that but um but i didn't like know storyboarding and so uh they they i got in there and i started making copies of all the guys working on shrek and you mean like photocopies or like yeah, photocopies like, like here's the scene and then you just go all day long and wow. but i would be looking at these boards going like oh i see how this is cutting or oh, i see what's doing oh that's so funny um and then doing the tune shooter the down shooter yeah. and like the guy that was the editor of shrek would always yell at me um i like him a lot but he would just be like, come on, man, just like moving all over. It's like an earthquake. And I'm like, I don't know. My, like, I'm trying my best. It's like this technology is crazy. Of course, everyone works on Cintiqs now. So it doesn't, yeah. you don't get all that registration problems. But uh, that's how I learned 
the basics and then and then but like were it. you also like because you have to learn how to draw right like how do yeah. you well, i grew up drawing how do you go from photocopying to then becoming a storyboard artist yourself like um i grew up drawing i was also a musician too so like i've always been on the on the side of entertaining people yeah. and like yeah. wanting to be in this in this business so it wasn't like it wasn't that far and i think that some of the best board artists are are uh, pitchers, like they, they pitch so well that like you get the story, even if it's not all on the board, even yeah, if it's okay. not all in the drawing. So, um, that was sort of my strength was that I could get up in front of a group of people without any fear and just be like, here's the scene, this is happening and like, get everyone excited. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then they, we cut it together and they'd be like, wait, what, what I thought, didn't you say that was happening? You're like, oh yeah, I got to learn how to draw. <laughs> um so yeah I so how did you learn how to draw so. like you know because there's so, so many people are trying to become storyboard artists and there's like you know a threshold that you're supposed to meet of like composition and volume and perspective and like there's so many things that like you have to learn that I never even knew about until I started going Hard. to art in college like yeah how did you learn how to draw well enough that DreamWorks was like now we trust you to do this for us um I was doing it every day, every day, over and over and over again. So like you'd photocopy Shrek during the day and then yeah. go home and at then night. I would, and then I, what I would do is at that time we had free, um, well, I think DreamWorks still does have free food, but like they would always have to-go containers at the end of the line. And so I would take um, a sandwich or whatever was, whatever I could get and eat lunch and dinner and so I would, and I lived about like five minutes from the studio. So I would actually go home just to get out of the studio for a minute while everyone else was like leaving, eat a sandwich, you know, watch cartoons, see what's, you know, see, do my studies. And then I would go back to the studio and just work in my office until I couldn't work anymore until I got too tired. And then I would go home and nap. So you're talking about drawing though, like drawing. Yeah. yeah. So then I was like boarding and I would pin up everything was on um, paper you know like these these old guys these this one's a little they don't make them like they used to but i think i have some old ones still from classic notebook yeah they're like the the animation because they're hard to find um the animation graph aids would sell these uh, like cool boarding um books and then and so uh the old prismacolor black prismacolor pencil and you can do everything with that and then um and so I would board scenes and then I would pitch them to friends and then I would get feedback and I would show, and, and by friends, a lot of those people were board artists. So yeah. I would kind of, you know, young and old, I mean, people like Elaine Bogan, who was one of my buddies when I started, she was a um, board trainee and I was a production assistant and she's now directing at DreamWorks features. Nice. She directed spirit and she's directing another movie. So like you never um, had any formalized, you know, schooling on this because, you know, going to Sheridan College and doing storyboards, like they harp on you so much, like, you know, uh, life drawing, like every night and draw, like perspective drawing and like try out yeah. a billion different things. Like you never really did that. You were just like, I'm going to draw the stories. Yeah. And, and then... I think I did some life drawing at DreamWorks. They would, they would offer the, the classes. So I would do those too, but I don't, I didn't have, so my, my boarding was always based on writing. I was always a, mm. a joke punch up comedy person. And it was later in my career that I got better at the staging and, and being able to draw camera moves and things like that. But like 
really it came down to like, okay, where is my, you know, horizon line? And then um, what are the characters doing? And so, so would you say it's more valuable as a newer storyboard artist to focus on really good storytelling versus yeah. really good composition and yeah. all that jazz? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's about finding out. Well, it's also, I would say this, I think it's about finding out who you are, like hmm. going deep into your own, like into your own soul and, and, and figuring out like what kind of stories do you want to tell and how do you want to be, you know, putting those stories out there? Because if you want to be doing cool action scenes and choreograph fighting, like you have to draw, you have to be really good at that. If you want to do, you know, like I, my buddy Andy Kung, who worked on um, Arlo, if you want to do the musical sequences and choreograph dancing, you got to be able to draw. If you are someone who really loves like emotional scenes between characters and you, and you know, you love those like heartfelt moments and things like you need to know how to do the character acting, but you don't necessarily have to draw them backgrounds. That's blob you know? one, blob two, smile, yeah. face, frown. <laughs> yeah. But like, then you get to stuff like, again, one of my, sort of contemporaries was uh, Maggie Kang, who's who's got the new K-pop Demon Hunters movie at Sony that she's working on. And she did the best acting of anyone. We shared an office for like three years and um, her acting was always so magical because like she knew exactly how to shift an eyelid just minimally to show that the character was like processing something that, you know what I mean? Like there's like, oh, that they're hurting right now, but they don't want to yeah. say it. Little things like that, those nuances that are like so hard to capture. And she could do that with, but you know, while drawing Shrek, which is hard to do because it's, yeah. it's so silly. Um, I like what so you're saying about kind of finding out who you are inside and then capitalize, or capitalizing, like putting that out there. Because, you know, especially in the beginning of your career and even in the middle, you can have like a little crisis where you're like, what am I doing here? I'm just learning for the sake of being in this role versus doing what is best for me. And I think at least from my experience, it sounds like yours too. Once you find that sweet spot, you know, you end up getting the opportunities that are best suited for you to do the things that you love and can do yeah. the best. Yeah. You want to put yourself, you want to do the things that, that you really love and enjoy doing because that's, if that's what you're asking people to hire you for, like why work in animation if you're having to do stuff that's oh, really totally. hard. You shouldn't work in animation <laughs> at all then. Like, I would be, tough. <laughs> if I ever got put on like, you know, legend of Korra or something yeah i would be miserable like and, <laughs> no. not, and not that i don't like the show or that i don't like have friends that like or the people that created it that i love and respect and i'm like man you guys are badass yeah. but like i can't do it and i don't there's not enough half alligator half boy character exactly the show give me the me. half alligator <laughs> give me like you know that's why like shrek and stuff was always a good place for me to be because i was kind of doing the stuff that was like it was always like the one-off gags and jokes and the stuff that yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know yeah, and like Legend of Korra is like serious, like, yeah, like, I mean, not so serious, but not your style, right? I, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, cool. So maybe as we're wrapping up, like, you know, you mentioned, uh, I love, I love kind of your backstory, how you started off not really in the industry and then like, you know, worked your ass off to like get where you are now. Um, but where you think, like, what is an opportunity coming up for you next that you're excited about? Or like you kind of mentioned, you're not sure, like, what is something that would excite you? Um, well, I, after making a musical, um, as I mentioned, you know, being a musician and uh, it was interesting because like I didn't um, I didn't often marry the two sides of like being a musician and, and being an animation 
um, yeah. in my work. It was like, cause I didn't work on a lot of musicals and, um, and when I did, I, a lot of times I was like, home was a musical se- series um, in a lot of ways. And so I had a lot of influence on it, but I didn't write the music or do, you know, the boards on those. Cause I was EPing the show and there's just too many, you have too many things you have to be watching all at once. So um, having directed and, and written and co-written the music um, for Arlo really left me feeling like musicals are where my heart is, at least for now, um, for the immediate. Um, and trying to sort of put myself in a place to like grow that. I don't think, you know, Disney has such a great uh, foothold on the, on the like Broadway musical yeah. movie thing. And there's people like Lin-Manuel Miranda and, uh, you know, um, crap, why can't I think of uh, Kristen Lopez, um, the, you know, the Frozen composers. Um, they're killing it. They're amazing. And they do such a great job that, like, it's not that I want to be in direct competition with that, but I just would look, you know, more in the land of Arlo where it's like, okay, this is a little different. Like, how do we be even more different on the next one? Hmm. Um, so contemporary musicals, I guess. Um, and... Uh, and taking that into to the next nice. phase. So I'm actively working on some things. I'm, at, I'm working with a couple studios and I'm um, working on some of my own stuff and just kind of be interesting to see what what flies and what doesn't. Right now I'm in like a, a cool place, but like a very unknown place. So my brain is constantly like trying to figure out like next puzzle pieces and how to like build. I feel like this industry, here's another piece of, of thought um I don't know if it's advice but like I've always felt like it's a chess game and you should know your next move Mm. and I don't know if I know my next move (laughs) right now so I'm like oh no (laughs) this is crazy it's a lot because I think there's a lot of in a good way there's just a lot of possibility I think that I was like that move is like when I get to directing that feature that's like me getting the you know uh die happy (laughs) yeah now what Uh, I didn't die I guess no um so that's kind of where my head's at. Like I'm trying to figure out like what's the coolest thing I could do with my time and, and, yeah. and my career. And, um, and luckily I, lo- I like that. What is the coolest thing I can do with my time? That is, I'm going to, that's like words to live by right there. Hey, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where my head's at, man. I'm just trying to figure out those things and like, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm helping some, um, some folks on some projects and nice. I, I work, I work regularly um, since Arlo has been done, I've been I've been regularly working and you know holding out hope that maybe one day we'll get to go back to Arlo again too because that would be yeah fantastic. But unless it's your your alligator baby boy. Yeah, I <laughs> joked the other day. Someone was like, "Yeah, what happens to the Netflix stuff?" You know, twenty years from now, and I'm like, "That's a good question, man. Like, we might be doing the live action version with some real kid. I hope." <laughs> yeah that, that would be, be really dream. cool i know hey, people hate that stuff but that would be a dream for me i'd be like yeah let's do that one let's hey get that you just kid said it out here. loud so now you have to manifest yeah. it you know arlo the live heard. action version what's stopping you come on i will be there for anything arlo from now until the end of time as long as i'm alive amazing i, I, I do care like you know i there's something in that in that show in those characters that i absolutely love and i just think that you know, I'm glad back to the kind of earlier point too, like seeing that people are connecting, like really connecting with it. Like doesn't matter how many people, it doesn't matter if it's a massive success. Like we're not measuring by the box office, which is kind of a nice thing in the streaming world, yeah. but seeing that, um, 
the true fandom of it and people really like loving it and making their own versions of it. And every day I wake up in the morning, there's like 20 new posts of just like random super cuts of the movie and stuff. And I'm just like, Whoa, people are like really, you know, like they're putting their time and energy and love into this thing and like owning it in a way that I never expected them to, or at least like could have thought about. And so that's like a huge, huge win, you know? It's amazing, eh? Yeah, it's really cool. It's nice. the best. Like that just makes me so happy just to know that people are, um, you know, it's like you always go, if it was just that one person who really loved yeah. it, but like it's it's more than one person, which is great. Thank God. Yeah, it's the world loving you back. <laughs> it, of course you have to, like, it just feels yeah. great. Like, yeah, you, know? you feel oh. that there's a sense of validation and that your time was well spent and that, you know, Everything Isn't it crazy do. that you still kind of like we as humans like require or not require, but like crave that validation at whatever stage oh, yeah. like, for me talking to you, like you've directed a feature film and I'm like, he's there, you know, he's totally validated from just doing that. But you're still saying like, I get validation from, you know, some, some kid like making their fan art of, yeah. of your character on the internet. Yeah. There's like, <laughs> there's some kid who has been putting the best artwork up. And, and then all of a sudden the other day was like, it's my 16th birthday. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. I, wait, is that, wait, you just, I think you shared something on your Twitter recently. Is that what you were? Could have been, yeah. Or like yeah. on Instagram or something. I was just like, this is out of control. Your stuff is so good. And it's so cool, you know? Um, and that makes me so happy just to see that that's like, you know, that that's happening. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Really? Well, uh, as we're wrapping up, is there anything yeah. you wanted to share just for somebody listening that's uh, just enjoyed your journey? And no, nah, man, I mean, you know, I think you just got to keep we we make cartoons or at least animation or whatever it is, because it's, you know, most of us because we love it. And so I think as long as you're like doing that and trying yeah. to stay, you know, stay true to that, it's a if you're getting into the industry, this is like, you know, as I know a lot of people who are listening, it's a great industry. It's a supportive industry and there are a lot of really talented people. And so, you know, it's always going to be, you're always going to be feeling like you have to keep pushing yourself, but also finding those moments to like, you know, appreciate the fact that you're making something. And that's like the, you know, that's the the end result. Like we're artists, like before, before we get paid, before we have jobs, most of us are just artists that, you know, we're sitting in our parents' house, like my daughter does now and sits at the, at the kitchen table and just draws and, yeah. because she loves it. I never want to see her like have to work, <laughs> work <laughs> and get notes, but I give her notes sometimes. Oh no, for, <laughs> you're like not. <laughs> you're like, put some more volume in this. The I said some harsh thing the other day, uh, <laughs> just as a joke, because my wife brought up, she was like, I don't know, should we keep this one? And, and I said something that I was like, oh, my God, what am I like? I can't joke. She's three. She doesn't get a joke. And then I'm like, no, honey, 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 honey. She's going to listen to this podcast one day. <laughs> I like, listen, she's I remember that like, moment. Yeah. It sticks out to me now. Um, gonna, no, but I, I yeah. being in the animation industry is like amazing. Like what other job can you create something? Like most of the time you're a service or just contributing to something that like, I don't know, you're in Excel, you're like, yeah, whatever, you're doing something that has no output into, I don't know, society or whatever, but yeah, yeah. it's cool. And there's never been a time, I think, where there's been this much animation being made at such a big level. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I don't know what the future is. I try to always think about what the future is and where to, where to be. Um, Mr. Chess. But like, but I don't know that it's hard to say, man, there's just so much going on and I, you know, 
Well, it's, fingers crossed yeah. the future's animation. So yeah, well, video games, I guess, is a thing too. And I don't, you know, I know it's been going on for a long time. I feel old saying it because I don't play them, but um, but I'm like, what does that world look like? If, you know, they could use Arlo as well. Hey, get into that. Yeah, All right, well, well did, man. All right, I'll talk forever if you don't. <laughs> no, hey, you gotta <laughs> you gotta leave at some point. <laughs> I do, I do. And I don't, you know. It'll be like me and Jorge Gutierrez battling for the longest podcast. Oh my so. goodness! Look at you, you just keep pulling out these little. Uh, hey, I know your podcast library. <laughs> he that guy doesn't stop talking. All right. Well, thank Hello. you, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on the chat. It's yeah, thanks, man. Thanks pleasure. for having me. Yeah, yeah. And if you're listening yeah. and you want to, you know, get in touch or follow Ryan's work or check out more Arlo, you can do so by checking out his Instagram, which is Krieg's Mumation. and I'll include that link in the description of this chat. And thank you so much for listening. That's all for now. Okay, bye. Thank you. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.